Not one, not two. It's all three Andy Goshi films in an MVM bonus episode. For a bonus episode of the Monsters vs. Men podcast, Alex, we're still trying our best to stay alive. You doing all right? Uh, well, I'm barely alive, but I'm here. <laughs> I, I'm excited about this bonus episode, Alex, because we have brought two guests into the bargain basement of podcasts. Um, <laughs> up first, we are going to have uh, our buddy Matt from Kaiju Transmissions. He's already here with us. What's up, Matt? How's it going? And we'll it, we'll give him a proper introduction here in a second. But anything we want to let the listeners know before we jump right in, Alex? Uh, no, I just you know I hope they enjoy this bonus episode of us just getting a whole bunch of different perspectives in. Yeah. So so that's the thing, right? Is so far we've been pretty favorable on the anime trilogy. So one of the reasons we brought Matt in is to give us some perspective here. To bring some truth, right? <laughs> to some give us truth a reality power, check. If you will. Yeah, give me a reality check. So, without further ado, I want to welcome Matt from the Kaiju Transmission Podcast onto the podcast. Uh, Kaiju Transmissions has been going for almost four years now. Um, so, they are like uh, a grandfather podcast to our <laughs> podcast. Um, we first met Matt actually just a couple weeks ago during the Kaiju quarantine. And I personally found some solidarity with Matt in our general dislike of Final Wars, much to the other hosts, including yours, Alex Chagrin. (laughs) However, when I brought up the anime trilogy on Twitter, specifically Haruo, uh, Matt had this to say, quote, the anime films are the three worst things this franchise has ever produced, and I find Haruo incredibly annoying and unlikable. End quote. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> now, yeah, that's that's a strong that's a strong burn. Now I personally love that this film is divisive, but before I set you up on a T to talk about this film, Matt, um, let me let you introduce yourself to maybe a few listeners that we have that, that haven't heard of you or your podcast. Yeah, well, first, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, again, I'm Matt Parmley. I am one of the two hosts for Kaiju Transmissions, where we talk about Japanese science fiction and fantasy film. My co-host is Kyle Bird. Uh, we have been doing our show since 2016, and one of the things I think that makes us appealing to some of maybe your podcast listeners is we try to branch out, not just focus on Godzilla. There's a lot of Kaiju podcasts that really just do Godzilla-centric things. Mm-hmm. And we try to branch out, talk about Godzilla, because really our first love for this genre started with Godzilla. But we're going to talk about Ultraman. We're going to talk about things like Sakia and other tokusatsu um, things. like Ult- We're going to do Return of Ultraman coming up pretty soon. Uh, we have the Gamera series we talked about. I mean, man, we've covered Last War, which is a tokusatsu with Jason production starring Akira Takarada. We went through a whole thing about uh, the end of days, like with Prophecy of Nostradamus. I mean, we got a lot of cool stuff that have just recently come out. I think probably the coolest thing that we've done is we've been able to interview like Steve Wang, who uh, creature designer, director, did the two Guyver live action films, interviewed Tom Kitagawa, who wow. uh, suit actor for the Millennium Godzilla series, plus um, Yoshida, who also was a suit actor for not only Gamera 2, he was one half of the Legion suit, but also uh, was Godzilla in Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, All Out Monsters Attack. So, like, we've done some really cool things. And I think my favorite thing may have been that we interviewed Sonny Chiba. 
Um, it was actually in the back of an abandoned, abandoned Macy's warehouse during a convention, but like who gets to talk to Sonny Chiba and interview him? Like I, I did once and it was awesome. So that's amazing. Yeah. We've done some cool stuff. And I think one of the things I want to point to for the Kaiju community is like, just like right now, when you guys invited me on, we've had a lot of interaction and made really great relationships and connections. And I think it's been really welcoming for the community, especially like in a time like now where like life is crazy and stuff feels like it's falling apart. So I'm really thankful to be a part of not only Kaiju Quarantine, but that you guys were gracious enough to invite me on your show. Absolutely. And it sounds like you've done some pretty cool stuff over there. And I'm excited to, uh, I, w- I will say Kaiju Quarantine was one of the few things like I, I would never, if you would ask me what I, <laughs> something I'd be doing within the next couple of years, I would never have guessed doing a almost mystery science theater like thing with a whole bunch of other kaiju podcasts. It was, it was a really neat experience. It was, I agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's been, um, if you, there's a lot of really great people within this community. And I think if you reach out to the right ones and you make the right connections, like you're going to see a lot of doors open up. Like I never thought that I would be interviewing some of the people that we've interviewed and that we've had, um, like we've had Linda Miller, the actress from King Kong escapes, like she came on our show. Like we, we've done a lot of cool stuff like that. And it's thanks to people just being willing to give us a chance and share their time and, and point us in the right direction. So, like, again, thank you for having us on. It's, it's a privilege. Absolutely. So, I guess now we need to get to the nitty-gritty, man. <laughs> right? So, I, I'm sure we could let you go on about how much you maybe hate this movie. But I, I do want to – we'll get in the specifics first. You said that anime – that the anime films are the three worst things the, this franchise has ever produced. So, what makes these worse than – Godzilla 1998. <laughs> you know, I like that you start come out of the gate and start with such a, a tough question. Um, I'm sure that like you guys, Godzilla 98 basically ruined my childhood in a sense. Like it was, there was a sense of disappointment walking out of that theater for 12 year old Matt that I don't think I've experienced maybe ever since, to be honest. Um, yeah. and, and that, that is something that's always stuck with me. But let me ask you guys a question. What do you think the what is the worst thing the worst offense any movie can actually do like what's the worst thing a movie can do that would make you absolutely hate it interesting mm. i would say the worst thing i guess the thing that always immediately turns me off is if i ever become bored and so if i'm bored that immediately knocks a movie down several points uh for me it's not it's not always boredom uh it's not that wouldn't be an indicator of like this is a bad film necessarily it's just not catching my interest for me it might be uh, manipulating my emotions, yeah. right? That that might be the worst for That's me. That's an interesting one. Okay. I am going to go with boring as well. I think for me, when I watch the anime films as a whole, they never really captured my attention. And this is Godzilla we're talking about. Like Godzilla doesn't have to do much for me to just be like totally enthralled and entranced with it. And in <laughs> this film, I felt n- nothing towards them. And I think that's the worst offense that, any movie, especially three of them, can commit. And one of the things I would also point to is you could essentially cut out the second movie. You could cut the entire thing out, and you've really not done much to lose the overarching story, right? Because the Bill of Saludo are basically the same exact thing as the Exif. They're just there for Mecha Godzilla. But if you cut out that Mecha Godzilla segment, the only thing that you really lose would be Yuko's character getting infected with the nanometal. And basically her at that point being thrown in the fridge because that's what happens to all the female characters in this film. That's another thing that I actually hate is the depiction of female characters in a series of films that was supposed to be – basically, Gene Urobuchi basically came out and said, 
Toho wanted us to appeal to, to the female demographic and they wanted us to shy away from what, what they called monster wrestling. So they wanted to make a very serious anime trilogy and they wanted to appeal to female audience. But they give you three of the worst female characters in the entirety of the series. And this is, you know, what when it, when did it finish? 2018, 2019? I can't actually remember because time doesn't yeah, exist anymore in the coronavirus era. I don't know if you guys feel that the way that I do. Um, but you have Yuko, who serves as a love interest and is basically thrown into the fridge until the very end when she is sacrificed alongside of Haru. And then you also have the two fairy priestesses or whatever for the Halta, who literally throw themselves and try to have sex with Haru as a way to make him beat Godzilla. That's what they say in the films. And like, that's something that to me in this day and age is really troublesome because if you look back at Godzilla's history, even back in the Showa era, you have strong characters like Katsura from Mecha Godzilla. You of course have Mickey and Biolanti. You have Akane from Godzilla X Mecha Godzilla and then Sujimori from Mechagirus and Yuri and GMK. So like you have, and one of my favorite films, by the way, is, is like Monster Zero. And Monster Zero has mm-hmm. something like seven minutes of Godzilla footage. I think it has the least amount of Godzilla screen time. But Namikawa is one of my favorite characters in the series. You don't need to focus on the monsters. You can do what this film was, what the anime trilogy was trying to do and trying to give you really solid characters and make the monsters kind of be the back, the back piece of it. But in this case, I feel like it fails because everything that we have in this film, the characters are one note. Everybody has a very singular motivation. Haro, just, he just wants revenge. The three female there, characters are there to basically screw his brains out. That's all they, that's the only purpose they really serve. <laughs> the other, the <laughs> aliens, like, okay, so you have the Xyz who want to bring in King Ghidorah and you have the Bill of Saluto who are focused on trying to dominate using their, their nanometal technology. But like outside of that, like that's it. That's really, there's no growth. Um, and Haru, we're going to talk about here in a second, I know, but like, I also feel that Haru as, as a character in a whole just doesn't, he's not able to carry the three films. Um, well, let's, let's get into that then. So, so let's, let's, let's talk about Haru specifically. Um, why do you, and, and honestly, much of this fan base dislike this character so much? Oh man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) he's like pulling out this laundry list of problems. (laughs) So I honestly think I liken. Okay. Let me, let me backtrack. My least favorite anime character before this series was actually Shinji from Evangelion. I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, Evangelion. Oh, interesting. But so Evangelion is one of the, the, probably the biggest anime from the nineties. It did a whole bunch of stuff in the U S and obviously they're, they're remaking the movies now. And, um, that character Shinji is basically the director Hideki Anno working out his depression through that show and primarily in the form of Shinji, but also in some of the other characters. And so Shinji is, is mm-hmm. one of the most messed up characters maybe ever. There's actually a sequence when he sexually assaults <laughs> another character in the show and he's got yeah. these daddy issues and all these different things, but he's also so whiny. Like you guys are both, from what I understand, <laughs> yeah. I know one of you have parents or parents, kids, excuse me. And yeah. if your kid whined all day, the way that Shinji, or in this case, Haru whined, I just, I think I'd want to choke him to death. I, I really think like <laughs> dude needs to be punched in the mouth or like slapped around or something. I, I don't know. I don't really do it to my kids. I'm not, you know, but it's, it's one of those things where like, he's so whiny. 
and his whining serves no it serves the only purpose he wants to kill Godzilla. He's so hellbent on revenge that's all he can see. And in fact, he does it to the detriment of all the people around him. You can make the argument, and I, I realize Metfees mm-hmm. is kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes, but you can make the argument that Haru is also so stubborn, he refuses to see anything else but revenge. And then when he's not getting his way and when he fails, he kind of becomes this basket case where he just like screams and he shouts, and that's all he is. And he's kind of the worst mm-hmm. archetype character, I think, that I've maybe ever seen in an anime. There's just not much to him, and the stuff that's there is just incredibly annoying. Um, I don't know. That's wow. that's the the short Oof. version of it. <laughs> I, so I I might agree. I might agree with you if we were talking about Planet of the Monsters mm-hmm. by itself. But I, I I do think I do think there's more to Haruo specifically after Planet of the Monsters. He loses that. He loses that. Not necessarily the angst. The angst is always there. So there's always a little bit of whininess. But I do think that he his his shift of focus from just solely bent on revenge of Godzilla it it shifts, especially with with his relationship. You mentioned his relationship Yuki is that her name Yuko uh, Yuko yeah Yuko the relationship their their quick relationship which again was was a little difficult to buy I, I'll grant you that I think when she came in there was a shift in his character and we see him kind of move out of that single framed mindset, uh, at least at the end of the city on the edge of battle. So yeah, I I would agree with if it was just the first film. Yeah, I I would agree too. I think after the first film is when we really get for me and Eric, we we feel like we get a a more budding of the character, but his screaming and stuff certainly (laughs) may is a uh, is a little bit of an anime trope for sure. Well, one of, one of the things I've always said about Shinji is like you hate him as a character, and he might be the worst character in in that series and for Evangelion. Uh-huh. But you're supposed oh, yeah. to hate him. Like that's the point. In this yeah. series, Haro is kind of he's supposed to be the character. He's he's leading people into battle, even though he's not supposed to be because of Metfees. All the women mm-hmm. in the in the series throw themselves literally at him. And it's one of those things where I feel like none of that is actually earned. He's done nothing mm. except whine and scream and throw tantrums and basically shout at Godzilla. And yet, you know, you, uh, Yuko, when she's talking to him, she basically says, like, she wants to follow him anywhere precisely because he can't forgive Godzilla for what he's done. And then she tries to bang him. And then you have, of course, the <laughs> yeah. fairies who, the same thing, they're trying to what they call connect life. And they're trying mm-hmm. to have sex with him strictly to, like, empower him to defeat Godzilla somehow. The whole thing feels very twisted and, and mainly because I don't think he's likable enough that anybody should follow this guy anywhere. It doesn't feel very mm. earned. It feels like this is what the script said. And so we're going to have to make that happen no matter what, you know, we're not, we're not going to earn it. We're not going to actually write a story to, to make people relate to Haro. It's, this is mm. what it said and we're just going to run with it. And for me, his motivations, they don't change enough for me to buy into him especially especially when you get to the last film because one of the things he does that really irks me is yuko has basically been in a comatose state right they even mm-hmm. say in the series that she's not going to ever open up her eyes but he takes her and what does he do he drives headlong into godzilla to, to end his own life but he takes her with him and that's just i i can't speak for you guys but for me that's something that's so just messed up like 
<laughs> all of the female yeah. characters get well, the short in the stick. And I think that's one of the things. And it's because of their relationship with Haru that he doesn't do anything for them. Yeah. No, I would say, yes, I, I, I'm with you on a personal level. And we actually touched on this, Alex, last episode when we did the Planet Eater specifically. Mm-hmm. And Matt, I would, we, we interview um, Blue Nova. You, you may have seen him online before. Um, and he has a really interesting take on on that end scene that doesn't quite it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Like it, it makes it more like this. This is going to be for the benefit of society as a whole. Yeah. But I, I'm with you. I'm like, and there's some personal issues here. And he's also leaving his his kid. Right. <laughs> like he gets one of the twins pregnant and then he sacrifices himself. There were some personal issues there. A hundred percent. I was like, I, I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, I had a problem with that, but I understood why he took Yuko because she's got the nano metal that he seems to be so concerned about. And part of the reason why he's destroying the ship at all. And so I kind of get why he's taking her because she has that nano metal inside of her. There's, there's a whole thing mm-hmm. with, with, I guess the way that you would view other human life that is very troubling for me here, because when you sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to even say it. When you basically break apart this idea that, you know, you have to sacrifice one person for the betterment of others, like certainly there's like this weird moral quandary there. But it, mm-hmm. but because of how Haruo was so singularly focused on killing Godzilla, it's hard for me to buy into him making a moral choice with lasting implications because he's been so just hyper-focused on Godzilla, and then ultimately, he doesn't defeat Godzilla. He instead takes his own life. And I realize the whole goal there is, yes, it's going to prevent the next King Ghidorah from coming, because it's a cyclical thing. The anime kind of makes this idea that wherever Godzilla shows up on a planet, there's King Ghidorah. Like, they they, they hinted that kind of throughout um, some of the speeches from Metfees and stuff. And I get the Nano Meadow could then give rise and show up again and eventually take over the planet. But, like, when you divorce how sacred is life from how good is society? Like I just, it's a real, it's hard for me to get there. I don't know. And maybe that's just because. Well, I would, I would say that at the end of city at the edge of battle, Haruo has a choice between Godzilla, what he cares more about Godzilla or humanity. And that's what he, he chooses humanity when he goes after Yuko because of her getting her humanity taken away. And so that that's what I see when that when that happens is he ultimately makes the decision that Godzilla is not his biggest priority; it's humanity's uh, well being. Yeah, unfortunately, it's hard to look at Yuko as being even human the way that she gets treated in the series. <laughs> like, it's just so yeah. the the way that the women are treated in this, I think, is very again. Like, I really took a personal issue with it um, because they're they're basically like they're there for him. They're there for Haru They're in, and then they get fridged and they don't serve much purpose after. And I think that's, that's, that's problematic, especially again, when the creators of this were basically like, Hey, we're trying to appeal to women. I'm like, well, how do you do that when you fridged all three of them? Um, I, I also think, <laughs> yeah. I also think too, by the way, I think the handling of Mothra is kind of lame. I mean, it was sort of like, why bother? You know, I get that, during yeah. that one sequence where she shows up and she basically knocks Haruo away from Metfees and like that sort of vision thing that he was going through, like it, it saves him. But like there could have been a lot more done with this series. And that's another thing that I want to touch on is that the entirety of the series has a ton of exposition. You have Metfees telling you exactly what he's going to do. You have the first five minutes of the opening film where they basically go through a lot of really cool ideas. 
but they talk about them and don't show any of them. And, and they actually use those ideas and they put those in the prequel novel. But mm-hmm. I think that's the more interesting story to tell would have been what they showed in the very beginning of, of the first movie where they have all these monsters and Godzilla taking over the earth and defeating not just the monsters, but actually forcing mankind to leave the planet. Like that would have been an interesting mm-hmm. story. Um, we don't get that, unfortunately. Well, we, I think we were going to ask you which of your which of the three anime films is the worst for you. But now <laughs> that I'm hearing you talk about it, I, I think they're all probably on a pretty low bar. So <laughs> I think the uh, second let, one. Let it's me, the second one. It's the second one. All right, <laughs> that one's my favorite. Oh, so. how? <laughs> me too. How? Oh, you guys are going to make me have a stroke on air. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all right. It's I, this is going to be a hard question for you, maybe. But maybe you just answered it a little bit. Um, if you had to choose one thing that you think the series did do well, what would it be? I do like the idea of this death cult for Ghidorah. Like, mm-hmm. like you have yeah. you have the Exeves and and bringing in this monster and actually having sacrifice and planning and forethought and stuff. And there's this whole idea of whenever the bomb gets created, the monsters show up, and whenever it gets to Godzilla, then King Ghidorah shows up, and like it's this whole cycle. Like that that's an interesting and even a cool idea. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. That you needed three films to get there. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I do like the little death cult. Very different. It's something we haven't seen really in any Godzilla film, and, and Shin Godzilla has a, like a sequel, uh, like a sequence where they're calling Godzilla God, and, and I wish they could have like you, you could take that entire idea and do a lot with it. I wish oh, yeah. that would have mm-hmm. been the focus of these three films, but unfortunately, we don't get that until the the last film. Very interesting. Uh, so. I guess we'll, we'll do another positive thing, but uh, what Godzilla film do you think is most underrated? And why do you feel that way? So I guess maybe what do you think the community, a movie that the community has kind of written off, but you think deserves an art look? I will try not to be as long-winded this time, but I actually have three. I have, and one of them is kind of cheating, but uh, Son of Godzilla and Godzilla's Revenge for different reasons. Son of Godzilla, because I really think most of the hatred for the film as a whole comes because of the Godzilla suit. And the Godzilla suit is terrible. Like, make no mistake, that's that's not one of the things you <laughs> recommend. But I think the story... The miniatures, I think, the, on just an entertainment level. And as a parent, like, it's really easy for me to relate to, like, hey, this is a stupid, you know, minion walking around with, with Godzilla. And, like, it's just, I think it's a really fun, upbeat movie. Um, there's a lot to enjoy in that. I also think Godzilla's Revenge, yes. because that movie does something interesting that no other Godzilla film does with stock footage. It actually takes the stock footage, and instead of just, like, throwing it in the movie and making it part of the, of the battle, it makes it um, Ichiro's dream sequences. So he's mm-hmm. and he's escaping. If you know anything about Japan during that time period, like la- the latchkey kid idea, the fact that both of his parents are away, the fact that like he's basically being raised by his neighbor and he's being bullied mm-hmm. and all the things that he's doing, he's escaping to Monster Island, going to see these monsters. And I think there's more on a deeper level. And again, especially for me now as a parent, like totally relatable. And then my third my third one was actually going to be Godzilla the animated series which is the 98 the sequel to the 98 film because they actually go back and they try to make all the things that everyone hated about the 98 film the 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 actual animated series fixes like it makes Godzilla strong they introduce other monsters they give him his nuclear breath back and honestly they do a lot of really awesome stuff by having like homages to other franchises like John Carpenter's The Thing which happens to be my favorite movie so there's a lot of really oh, cool dude. things about that series. So <laughs> I'm glad to see that you and me are both uh, big on the thing. I love that movie yeah, so that's much. Al- that's like Alex's favorite yeah. movie too. Yeah. So and and honestly, uh, I I'm with you on Godzilla's Revenge. Like that was a movie I first watched, 
I'm still not all the way around on it, but I first watched it. I was like, what am I watching here? And when you watch those films back to back to back, because we've watched one Godzilla film a week back to back to back, you're like, man, this this movie is about 60% stock footage. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but if you take it in isolation, you actually see, you know, that they're actually doing interesting and unique things with the stock footage. And I actually think there there is a lot being said in that okay. movie. Um, the more I've examined it and the more I've looked at it, there's definitely a lot there. But all right, Matt, it is plug time. Where can listeners find you online? And what's also in store for your podcast, Kaiju Transmissions, in the future? Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. It's uh, KT underscore podcast. We're on Facebook, of course. It's just Kaiju Transmissions. We also have Instagram. Uh, as far as upcoming episodes, we just finished recording a series about the uh, the Tremors, Tremors films. We're talking about Starship Troopers coming up in the near future, and we're about to hit Return of Ultraman, which, by the way, is awesome. If you haven't checked out Ultraman, that's a great series to check out. Okay, cool. cool. Well, Matt, I appreciate you having us on. Um, and honestly, I appreciate you you coming in just to, to hate on a movie and <laughs> give us a different perspective. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to have these different perspectives. And, you know, I kind of wish we had done something similar to this when we did Godzilla's Revenge or All Monsters Attack. It had been kind of nice to have that different perspective back then. I appreciate you sure. having me on. And, and one of the things I want to um, mention before I go, like, you know, our podcast, we're not on there just to, to hate on stuff. I'm glad you guys had me on to do it. It's been a blast. But we do enjoy almost all of the Godzilla films, to be honest, but not, not these three. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks fellas. Yeah. Thanks Matt. Cool. Thanks man. All right. For our second part of the bonus episode, I'm excited to welcome on one of the longest listeners of the show and definitely the longest listener of me, which is my brother, baby Brett Neely himself. Now, to be fair, I didn't just bring him on. We didn't just bring him on because he's my brother. I think he offers a fresh perspective on these films. He's similar to me, Alex. You know, he started watching these films as we started this podcast, but he's the only listener that I know that has watched the film and then listened to the podcast in order each week from the beginning. So before we focus on the anime trilogy as a whole, Brett, let me ask you, how has your Godzilla journey been thus far? And what has kept you sticking around watching these movies and listening to us? <laughs> hey, thanks for, for having me, you guys. Um, yeah. It's a, it's been a journey for me. Um, when Eric first told me that he was starting a podcast, I certainly wouldn't have guessed that it was going to be about Godzilla. Of course, <laughs> I didn't know that, Alex, you were going to be the co-host. Uh, right. it, made more, it made more sense then. <laughs> Um, so basically I just started watching because Eric said I would enjoy the movies. Um, I owe like a lot of my current and just lifelong interest to Eric's recommendations. That's that's true. You know, and you know what hooked him, you know, what hooked him Alex was the, uh, criterion channel trailer for the Godzilla box. Oh really? That's what hooked him. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was an awesome trailer. It's better than a couple of the movies, (laughs) but I know, Brett, it hasn't been all uh, sunshine and rainbows from the beginning or throughout. Am I right? No. I mean, at the beginning, it started off strong with the with the original movie. But uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. There were times when I started to question my life decisions. And I, ne- <laughs> I nearly quit. All right. 
the, the first time I started thinking about this was with um, Son of Godzilla. <laughs> and that that continued through all monsters attack. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the only reasons I kept on watching then was just because I wanted to uh, support the podcast. What's hilarious, what's hilarious, Brett, is that our guest, Matt, who we just had on, yeah. Two of his recommended films were Son of Godzilla and All Monsters. <laughs> 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 Literally, that's pretty good. Literally. Uh, but it it didn't it wasn't it didn't end there. What what continued your interest? What other yeah, films it, uh, did you It enjoy? got better. Um thankfully um Hedera renewed kind of my my interest in the show era. Um just cuz it's fresh direction and take and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed yeah. that. Um, when we moved into the, the Heisei era, uh, I did enjoy that. Like you guys said, they were pretty, um, similar level of quality each, each week. But for me, mm-hmm. the millennium era was a standout. I really enjoyed each film with its standalone feeling and the, the fact that they were able to use different tones for each movie. I enjoyed all of those movies quite a bit. Yeah. And now... Like I enjoy, I enjoy him for the the monster action quite a bit. But the the best part is really seeing how how do the human characters respond to all the craziness that always goes around them. Yes, so right, that's yeah, that's what I look for for each movie. But another reason I enjoy watching them is because I think it exposes kind of our tendency to believe that American created films are going to be superior to foreign films. I know like a lot of people, if I've mentioned before that I listen to a Godzilla podcast that my brother does, <laughs> they kind of give me a look first before they say, oh, that's nice of you. But <laughs> I think they, they write it off because, because it's foreign. And right. as, as we've right. seen so far, even though our, our movies may have higher budgets, we, we know what happens when an American attempts a Godzilla film. There was no yeah. substance. <laughs> and that's that's why I enjoy listening to the podcast, because it's nice to see you guys get to the deeper meaning that at least most of the films have. Right. Yeah. Certainly not all of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, Eric has told me before that you generally share similar thoughts to ours regarding these films. Yeah. But... Has there been any of the films that you've really disagreed with our takes about, or you found maybe we under or overrated? Yeah, yeah. Um, generally, I fall right between the two of you on how I view <laughs> these films. I'm definitely not a film snob like Eric is. I just <laughs> like and enjoy watching films and and getting moved on some level, whether that's emotional. But I also didn't grow up with these films like you did, Alex. So there's yeah. no nostalgia blend into them. Like when I watch something like Star Wars, it's hard for right. me to to watch those movies the same way because I have all these expectations. I don't have that mm-hmm. with Godzilla. So looking at some particulars, like with Final Wars, <laughs> I actually enjoyed that movie and I enjoyed oh. the ri- I enjoyed the ridiculousness of it. But I wouldn't call it a great movie, <laughs> Alex. Oh. <laughs> You mean it's not the perfect film that I call it? No. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> and then as far as movies where I've kind of disagreed with your guys' take, um, the most recent one was probably Tokyo SOS. 
I wasn't very uh, fond of it. For me, the characters, they felt flat and was interesting. There were still highlights, though, like um, Godzilla's texting and uh, <laughs> Chuho's improbable rescue at the end. And yeah. so I appreciated the movie more after listening to you guys talk about it. And I agreed how it, it demonstrated the director how he improved over the first two films that he made. I'm glad that the, I think the Godzilla texting is just a highlight for the series. It should probably happen more often. (laughs) It probably should. All right. So uh, our focus on this bonus episode is the anime trilogy as a whole. But before we get into the award segment of the podcast, what do you make of these three films altogether? Um, and as we like to ask in our recap episodes, what lessons, if any, did you learn from these movies? Um, like you guys, overall, I enjoyed the trilogy. I do have a few complaints, and I will get into those a little bit when we do our final ranking. But as a whole, I enjoyed the unique world that this trilogy builds. And I really enjoyed the dynamics between the three races, how they're all working together but they have their own separate agendas. Mm -hmm. As far as takeaways, I have three. All right. First one is I think we need to be weary of how often we trust in our technology and progress in order to improve our lives. A lot of times we Mm -hmm. think that newer and bigger is going to be better, but that's not always the case. And also we Mm -hmm. should be weary of charismatic individuals who claim that they have the answer to everything. I do think we need to be humble in the ways that we are moving forward as a human race and being willing to listen to other ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, this ties into my next lesson, and this isn't just from this trilogy, but the franchise as a whole. I know that we should never trust aliens. At the very least, they will enslave, if not kill us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> But the most significant um, lesson for me is how these films challenge what it means to win. How much are we going to sacrifice in order to come out ahead? What I see through these films is that winning doesn't mean we have to defeat an opponent, whether that's a literal or metaphorical. Instead, winning means we're just trying our best to live on and connect with others. It's a relationship with others, I think, form who we really are. Hmm. Now, Haruo does reject this <laughs> at the end of the trilogy, <laughs> thinking that sometimes it's even better to lose, which there might be a point there. But I think overall it's a lesson that we should take to heart. It's a really nice. interesting <clears throat> takeaway from it that kind of improves it a little bit in my eyes. <laughs> Good. There you go. Alex just bumped up his yep. Planet Eater. It's a ranking. it's a ten out of ten now. <laughs> Don't you mean five out of five? <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into our awards. Then, without further ado, Alex, you know I like to start with you and our coolest character. Who do you have yeah. for the coolest character award for the anime trilogy? Overall, yeah. Well, I I, I just want to say real quick that I like that our guests are now. I think. This is the second or third time that a guest has corrected me on my award or breaking. <laughs> so, thank you. You're just uh, so consistent, <laughs> so I was expecting it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> my coolest character has got to be... I kind of wanted to say Haro, but then I went with Metfees. Because Metfees is... 
he's a kind of a walking juxtaposition in a way. He, on one hand, he seems like he genuinely cares about Haruo. But then, on the other hand, he is consistently manipulating him throughout the entire series. And it's all for his own personal end goal. But even at the end of the of his arc and his life, you can tell that he still cares about Haruo, even if things didn't go his way. Now, he still kind of curses him with saying Ghidorah's always going to be watching him. <laughs> not quite the best friend type of thing to do. But... He just seems, I like that he plays the long game. And I've always, if you listen to any of my episodes, everyone knows that I like, I like the politicians that are playing the long game. That are, they're sitting and listening and just slowly making things happen the way that they want them to. And Metfees is, he's definitely the embodiment of it, even if he isn't successful in his end goal. I like, Alex, how you just referred to Metfees as a walking juxtaposition. Yeah. Who's the English teacher now, man? Ooh. Like that was that was nice. <laughs> well, we both do and have an I, English degree, Eric. We do. <laughs> and then I was going to give you a hard time for choosing the villain of the franchise <laughs> until I remembered that I was choosing King Ghidorah, King of the Void, God of Death, yeah. Bringer of Demise. I couldn't quite <laughs> I couldn't quite criticize you. After that, no, no, I mean, Ghidorah has quite the character arc. <laughs> no, there is no real character arc. I just think he's awesome. I like the way that, uh, specifically, the Planet Eater uses King Ghidorah and reimagines King Ghidorah into something that we've never seen before. Just when you think, you know, King Ghidorah has become stale, um, yeah. this movie reinvents him in a way that makes him terrifying all over again so for me it had to be king Ghidorah. brett who did you have uh for me my character's kind of a little out of um left field but i thought the coolest character in this trilogy was the professor martin lazari that's yes. good he's yes. a good one um we know he's a an environmental biologist and at first he just he just knows what's going on he's proven correct about mm-hmm. his theory uh, in the first film, when he s- states that the Godzilla they're facing can't be the same one from 20,000 years ago. Haru doesn't <laughs> believe him, but he's proven right. to be correct. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, really I did, did too. From the first film. <laughs> yeah, I-, I overlooked Lazari so much in the first film, but then he really comes back with with the vengeance in the second and third. Yeah, and, and the yeah. second film, he's given a chance to return to the mothership. But he decides he's going to stay on Earth because he views it as a treasure house full of research materials. He values learning just for the sake of learning, and I respect him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, I like I like it when he's in the Hotua uh, village and he's just really taking everything in, and you see him analyzing every aspect of them and giving them props for being way more intelligent than they initially look. Right. And you liked him all the way to the end as well? Yeah, I did. Like Alex said, we see him assimilating into the native culture, which I appreciate, but he's not without flaws. When he finds the mm-hmm. downed vulture at the end of the film, the only thing he can think about is how it can lift him out of their primitive lives. He's not learning the lessons of the, of the people who've made mistakes before him. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy his complexity, and I find the fact that he has an inability to learn from past mistakes is unfortunately realistic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's good. Uh, What about, Brett, what about your most memorable line award? 
Yeah, I already hinted at my most memorable line award when I was discussing lessons that we can take from this trilogy. My line, which is spoken by Miana, stood out to me immediately. Uh, when Haru asks her about what's the meaning of winning and losing, she responds, win is survive, live on, connect life. Now, her idea of connecting life isn't exactly what we need to be doing with everyone, but I do appreciate <laughs> that winning is to connect with others. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. I have a runner-up for this one as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> when uh, when we see the survivors first go to the Hotua, Adam, uh, one of the, mm-hmm. the background characters, he sees the identical faces and he shockingly states, They were twins? <laughs> <laughs> Although I had already realized that they were twins, I hadn't thought about the significance of it. But at that moment, oh, yeah. I realized, hey, this is the Godzilla universe. If there are twins, we know right. Mothra's nearby. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good one. Um, so you said Martin Lazari was your favorite character, and he actually gets my most memorable line. Um, it was a line I thought about choosing for our Planet Eater episode but I'll go ahead and, and, and choose it here. It says, maybe humans were puppets used to birth birth giant creatures like this one right in front of us, referring to Godzilla. Um, and he's exactly right. The humans have essentially been puppets all along. But once again, I think one of the key ideas in Planet Eater is how it wants to explore the idea of choice. And I think that line specifically hints at that illusion of choice that planet eater explores. So I had to go with that line from Lazari. What about you, Alex? Uh, yeah, mine actually is yours, uh, Eric, from the first episode of the anime trilogy, uh, planet of the monsters. And it's Galgu who says at times like this, I find myself jealous at those that have a God, uh, jealous of those that have a God to pray to. And really when he first said that we really didn't know how significant this line would become. But it ends up becoming that Bill Saludo, the Exif, and the Hotua, and even the humans to some extent, all have a god that they're all kind of praying to. Bill Saludo mm-hmm. have Becca Godzilla, Exif have Ghidorah that they're literally praying to, and the Hotua have Mothra. And so it's kind of cool that it turns out that all four of the races or aliens all have their own god that they pray to, and each kind of has their own movie devoted to them except for the hotua yeah well i think that's interesting it goes back to our um discussion our sacred objects discussion from last week as well alex yeah. that's good um what about your can't believe that acting award uh you know i feel like i this is somehow like <laughs> the most controversial choice despite it being the main character <laughs> <laughs> But the voice acting for Haruo is pretty on point, especially because the actor clearly shows the character's evolution from film to film. We get him starting off as just like uh, just embodiment mm-hmm. of pure anger in the first film. He's determined and then disillusioned by the end of the second movie. And then during the third, we see him sad. He's killing his best friend, and you just see him just absolutely broken about it. Plus... During his final flight to destroy himself uh, by Godzilla's hand, he really sells that sigh of relief that he has right before he he is uh, blown to bits. <laughs> but I really do think that 
the actor really sells his transitions between all of these films where he's slowly developing into someone who cares less about Godzilla and more about people. And I think he does a good job. What about you, Brett? Yeah, actually, uh, I agree with, with you, Alex, about Haru. And there was, there were several lines of his that I almost picked out um, for this award, but I ended up going with something different. Uh, for me, it's the entire space-time attack from Ghidorah on the mothership. It's so awesome. Yeah. The whole sequence, <laughs> it's so good. the whole sequence is just eerie and you can hear the genuine panic. They're confused from all the different voices and characters who are speaking. However, it culminates in the most calmly spoken line during this entire sequence. We've lost life signs on the bridge. Mm-hmm. She knows they're dead before we see Ghidorah completely destroy the entire ship in an instant. Yeah. Oh, it's so awesome. And she also makes that comment about uh, like the engine room exploded like 40 seconds ago or something like that. But they're still getting a transmission from the engine room. It's so wild. (laughs) Yeah, that was probably my favorite part from that from that movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, So I watch these films. I watch them subbed and dubbed. And generally, I'm a subbed guy. um, All right. Put your nose down. But I did like <laughs> I did like Lucian Dodge, um, who was the dub voice actor for Metfees. And the dub in general in this one is really, really well done. Mm-hmm. I think the dub in these three films is well done. But Lucian Dodge, the way that he performs Metfees, I've said this before uh, in an earlier episode, but his performance reminds me of Michael Fassbender's David from the Prometheus uh, movies. It's just it's it's odd. You can't quite read what he's saying. You know that there's something going on beneath the surface, but you're not quite sure what that thing is yet. Yeah, uh, and that can only really be done with solid voice acting. So I had to give it to Lucy and Dodge. Um, the next award is our standout effect award, which here is our best animated sequence. Brett, we'll let you go first this time. All right. Uh, I thought the most impressive sequence. Uh, was the city in the city on the edge of battle when the the three vultures launch off and face off against Godzilla? I really think the animation style excels when these mechas are present, and I think yes. throughout the entire trilogy, this this sequence represents the best action sequence that we see. The mechas are fast and powerful, but ultimately they're still completely dwarfed. By Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. No, no that, I, I that agree. seems awesome. And, and the, the visuals of it are awesome. Those pink jet engines that are coming off of them look right, so right. good. <laughs> yeah. So my standout effect, I thought about that sequence actually. Um, and I thought about the uh, King Ghidorah attack uh, sequence that you mentioned before, Brett. But I actually am sticking with your scene that you just mentioned, but a different aspect of it. Um, it's the sound design. Uh, the sound design in that three vulture attack is awesome. Uh, the, the silences in just the right places are perfect. Um, and I appreciate Hattori's score uh, in mm-hmm. the first two, but really the third one I loved. But it's the sound design that I think is the standout effect here. And I didn't mention this part in the last episode. But I really like the hints Ekadora throughout planet eater before we saw Ghidorah, we just heard that original uh, Ghidorah roar like faintly in the background. 
I didn't even pick up on it the first time I watched it, but the oh. second time as I watched it, you heard that original Ghidorah roar, uh, and it was like, oh man, <laughs> you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. That was It was quite a, a small detail, but I thought it was really cool in building up that tension. That's cool. Alex, what about you? Uh, mine, I had it down between... I. I had it down between the scene that Brett talked about for his, I can't believe that acting award where the, the ship is just being annihilated by Ghidorah in just like the Mm -hmm. most horrific way. But really I ended up settling on the, uh, the final battle from planet of the monsters. I really Mm -hmm. think this art style, while not the best, it really excels during action scenes Mm -hmm. and it really, it just feels epic. And, you know, I love it when a plan comes together. It's one of the reasons why I really love Shin Godzilla is seeing a plan actually get executed successfully is really pretty thrilling when you're going up against Godzilla. <laughs> so I really yeah. like that with the combination of like the the little uh, hover bike attack while they're also trying to position Godzilla strategically. It just really sets a thrilling tone. And just to have it all crashing down in the final moments of the film <laughs> is mm-hmm. really cool. For sure. For sure. Brett, let's uh, start with you, actually, for our Oh, That's a Good Shot Award, which here is like the best anime still. Okay. Uh, My favorite shot actually comes from the first one, Planet of the Monsters. This is right before the hour and 20-minute mark where we get a shot of the real Godzilla in the distance. And we see Metphys is just looking up at him. It's framed by trees on the left and the right. It's just cool that we get to see the real Godzilla again, but we also get a real sense of scale because of Metfeet's presence in mm-hmm. the shot. Yeah, I think that was my that was my shot from uh, the Planet of the Monsters. That was the award I gave. Yeah. Mine is going to be the shadow of Ghidorah um, when Metfeet first summons him in Planet Eater. I just think it's particularly insidious how it just snakes through Metfeet's human followers, basically ripping through them. Uh, and even before you see him like ripping through his followers, just that shadow in particular, uh, and what it kind of represents, I thought, uh, was especially powerful. Yeah. Alex, what about you, man? Yeah. Mine's got to be, uh, from uh, planet eater where you've got the three singularities in the sky with the clouds, like swirling around them. And you have those mm. three Ghidorah heads slowly descending upon Godzilla. <laughs> it's just a really cool visual. I just loved it. Good. Uh, Let's do our rating and ranking then. Alex, you want to start us off? Yes. So when I first watched these movies a few years back, I enjoyed them except for the final film. But now after going through these and really combing through them, I'm taking away a lot more. And not just that, I'm all around enjoying the characters way more, way more thoroughly from Haruo to Galagu to Metfees. I mean, there's a lot of interesting characters. If there's one thing that I do wish the trilogy had done better, it's probably the relationship Haro had with Yuko. Just because that final moments of uh, City on the Edge of Battle, really, it feels a little... It would have been more powerful if he really... If we felt that connection between the two. But we just... It kind of felt like it kind of got rushed just a little too much. If that relationship was developed, it would have been perfect. But aside from that, I really enjoyed this trilogy I mean, through and through. The alien races, Bill Saludo and Exif, and even the Hotua are really interesting. And maybe the most interesting aliens that we've gotten in the Godzilla franchise. And that's maybe excluding the Zillions, maybe. <laughs> and I really think 
Harwa's arc. This is a real selling point for me, though. He seems two-dimensional. And honestly, I think if you aren't looking for it, you could miss all the layers that this character has. That, plus all the big ideas, whether they were executed well or not, you know, I, I said a little bit about that in our previous episode, whether I think the execution was perfect in Planet Eater about all these big ideas, but it's got the ideas, and it delivers on them at least well enough. It really elevates the series for me. So I'm going to give the trilogy a 4 out of 5. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Do any do any of these films fall in your top ten? Uh, two of them probably do. Wow, nice. I'll have wow. to take a I'll have to take a look at my list, but I think City on the Edge of Battle is my number one of the trilogy. So that's definitely going to be in my top ten. Cool. Do, what about you, Brett? <laughs> uh, when I'm when I'm looking at these movies individually, I definitely enjoyed City on the Edge of Battle the most, and my least favorite was The Planet Eater. However, when I was when I was getting ready for these awards, I realized that I actually liked that movie more than I thought on my initial look at it. That said, I think the movies are best judged as this trilogy because they're clearly designed to be watched close together. And I feel positively towards it. Like I already said, I enjoyed the the world building, the character dynamics that are present. However, I do think that I might have expected too much going into it. I've kind of been an anime fan for a while, although I've, I've been out of it recently. But I think I expected that the series was going to give us some of the best monster action that we've seen yet in this franchise. Mm. And although I appreciated Godzilla's mountainous size, and he's moving slowly like an actual mountain, when it came to the actual monster versus monster action, there's hardly any of it. And the speed was frankly a little boring at times. The style of the animation itself wasn't my favorite either. Like I said, the mecha elements, I really like those a lot. But Godzilla himself wasn't always convincing when he was up close, I didn't think. On the other hand, the characters themselves and the themes that you guys have already discussed make these films worthwhile. That's why if I had to give it a number... I would give the trilogy as a whole 3.5 out of 5. That's a 7 out of 10, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brett. Now, I I haven't been rating these movies um, myself as we've been going, but that rating would put it among other films for me like Hedera, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, and Megaguirus, but just a little bit above Final Wars. (laughs) (laughs) My man. Uh, what about oh, you, man. Eric? <laughs> well, I think going into these films, it helped that I didn't have any sort of expectation. Uh, actually, my, if anything, my expectation was that they were terrible just because of things that I had heard online. Um, I was pleased to find that this simply wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I, I think Brett's right about the monster action. We don't get that here. Oh, yeah. But this isn't the first Godzilla movie that didn't have monster action, but still delivered on the monster goods. If you think back to the original Gojira, it wasn't that Gojira had a ton of monster action necessarily, but it's that it wanted to say something beyond the monsters, which I really appreciate it, and which I think we actually see here. The characters and the alien races, they all bring something different to the table. And the way that the characters interact with one another and the races interact show that the film has something to say beyond the surface level. Um, I think the score 
Hattori's score in Planet Eater is also pretty special uh, as I've re-listened to it a couple of times. <laughs> and I think uh, while the anime style in those slow scenes and the, the dialogue, it doesn't always work. In the action scenes, it does work. I give the overall series a 3.5 out of 5. And I believe the one that falls on my top 10 is City on the Edge of Battle as well, which we didn't even mention. We haven't, we've, we spent this whole episode without mentioning uh, Mecha Godzilla City, which is <laughs> another reason yeah. that I like this, this trilogy is because it takes our expectations and it subverts our expectations. Um, you could call it the last Jedi. No, no, uh, <laughs> because this doesn't. Don't go because there. this does it in a clever way, Eric. <laughs> don't you do that to me now? Oh man, I just like to throw you under the bus, bus, so that you can get more hate online, Alex. <laughs> Bring it on! I love the hate. I feed off of it. I'm like a Sith Lord. <laughs> now we did our rhyme times last episode, but I brought. Hey, Brett, I wrote another one. <laughs> okay. Alex wrote a different. He needs. Trust me, bro. You haven't heard the last episode yet, but he needed redemption to himself. So, oh, yeah, some redemption. Good uh, lord, <laughs> Brett, you can go first. All right, here's what I have. With an American again at the helm, will Godzilla underwhelm, or to put it another way, will we get the Godzilla we wish, or an other lizard that just eats fish? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Nice. I like that. Uh, that's a good. That's a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah. Alex. Oh yes. Redemption. Yeah. All right. The next Godzilla is America's second chance. It even stars Brian Cranston. <laughs> even <laughs> even if he's hardly in it, every scene he's in, he's win it. <laughs> Just roll the closing credits now, Alex. Just, just roll it. Oh, man. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're Alex Cornett and Eric Mealy. You can email us feedback about The Last Jedi and Alex's disdain, uh, about Alex's bad rhymes, or anything Alex-related to MVMPod at gmail.com. Brett, I know, I know you don't have any super creative projects that you're plugging or anything like that but i appreciate you being on the podcast with us yeah thanks for having me yes thank you your your insights were plentiful it was a (laughs) bountiful harvest (laughs) (laughs) until next week try to stay alive Godzilla is America's second chance. It even stars Brian Cranston. Even if he's hardly in it, every scene he's in, he's win it.